0: Hi, this is Carl. Welcome to another SMB Community Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Ken Dwight, who is the virus doctor. So, how do you get to be a virus doctor?
1: Well, it, it really kind of came unexpectedly. I started specializing in malware back in 2002 and trying, I was like the, the Paul Revere of, of the IT industry. The, the viruses are coming, the viruses are coming. Because <laughs> <laughs> back then, uh, the average user and even uh, the average tech thought that viruses were still written by bored kids that uh, didn't have anything better to do. Right. And, and that's about the time that, that the, the bad guys figured out how to monetize their efforts. And so I started preaching to uh, mostly business owners and uh, speaking to chambers of commerce and uh, networking groups, that sort of thing. And I got a, uh, an engagement on a radio show. A guy here in Houston calls himself the high-tech Texan, uh, Michael Garfield. <laughs> So I was on his show and, and and introducing me, he said, we've got the virus doctor here with us today. And oh, well, that, that's kind of catchy. Exactly. And, you know, one thing led to another, I ended up trademarking the name and that, that's been how I've uh, been known professionally ever since.
0: So do you have an MSP business or are you just uh, helping to train people on malware?
1: Well, I, I don't have an MSP business but I do have a break fix business. Um, I'm a one man shop and I've uh, been doing this for a long time. And so I'm still in the trenches. I'm, I'm out there doing not just malware removal, but all, all the usual stuff, uh, uh, you know, updating software and helping advise on what to buy, setting up networks, uh, the usual troubleshooting things. But uh, my overall business model is about 75% training and 25% break-fix.
0: Okay. And so who is the audience for the training?
1: It's techs. Uh, It's My my main course, and I have several, but the the main one that I concentrate on is what I call the Virus Remediation Training Workshop. And that's a really intense two day, actually two half days, uh, about 16 hours of content in all with some pre-recorded stuff as well. But it's it's four gigs for people that do IT support for a living uh, in terms of dealing with infected machines. Uh, Not wiping and reloading and not doing a bunch of scans, but actually finding and removing the malware in what I call the smart way
0: uh, with the least uh, negative impact on the client. Right. So is this a live event in Houston? So folks, come come to Houston. They do the two-day workshop.
1: Yeah. And I actually schedule three of of them per month. One of them here in Houston in my office uh, and then two online at different times of day. Wow. I schedule it for four hours each of two consecutive days, and I have one that's scheduled for noon to 4 central time and one that's scheduled for 6 to 9 in the evening. And so the noon to 4 is good for people in the U.S. and North America. The 6 to 9 or 6 to 10 in the evening is uh, good for us night people and people that have a, a day job or don't want to take away from their, their, their uh, paying customers. But it's also good for the Aussies. Uh,
0: right. 6 o'clock yeah. in the
1: evening here is 9 o'clock tomorrow morning there.
0: Right, right. Exactly. So uh, so what's the smart way? Talk. Tell me about that. So if because I think most people just just like, oh, let's just restore to yesterday. So
1: and, and if you can, uh, that's a decent solution. Uh, but whether it's usually it's more involved than just a, a system restore yesterday's. But, but sometimes that works. And depending on the type of infection, it can be. But, but the short answer to your question is really what the workshop consists of is finding the malware and ripping it out by its roots instead of running a bunch of scans and hoping for the best or, or doing a, uh, a wipe and reload or nuke and pave as it's sometimes known. Right. Uh, and so the whole purpose of the workshop is to, to educate people as to where the stuff hides out, how it gets there, how you can find it,
0: keep it from coming back. So, and is keeping it from coming back mostly a matter of making sure you have all the patches, fixes, and updates?
1: No, that's more a preventive step than than uh, keeping it from coming back. Because usually when it comes back, it's because a scan has found and, and eliminated the obvious symptoms, but it hadn't gotten rid of the underlying cause. And so once the machine is returned to service, then it resurfaces, maybe not right away, but pretty soon after.
0: So do you run like tools from uh, semantic or trend or somebody, or do you you like go digging in the registry and you There's know where I go to look for in the registry and, and the only
1: scanning we do and the only tools that we use that, that are that type of tools are pretty much after the fact. So uh, I break it down into the, the, the four steps, identification or detection, identification, uh, neutralization, then removal. And so uh, fairly early in the game, we, we've got the, the, uh, the malware identified and removed uh, or, or neutralized and then use tools, mostly the Malwarebytes tool set, to find or remove all the pieces. Uh, because even though there are only a few pieces that are actively running, uh, the executable itself or DLLs or, or files like that, there may be dozens or hundreds of other pieces that are just left behind. They're orphaned. They're not really hurting anything, but it's best to clean them up. Right, And I recommend the Malwarebytes tool set for that. Not the Malwarebytes free scanner.
0: But, but right. <laughs> so, so you do these several times a week. There must be a huge audience for this. There should be. Uh, the biggest problem is getting the word out. Right. I
1: actually did the first one almost 10 years ago. April of 2009 was when I did the first workshop. And, of course, it's evolved continuously since then. But uh, and just to, to a little correction on what you said, I do uh, three per month, three workshops per month. Oh, per month. Okay. Well,
0: it's still a fair it, number of...
1: <laughs> it, it, it's a lot. And I, and I limit the workshops to 10 attendees uh, in each one. So each one can, each attendee can ask questions and it's fully interactive. And I need to come up with an on-demand uh, uh, replay availability that the, uh, it's so interactive that I've hesitated to do that, but there are more and more people that want to take it and can't really take eight hours out of out of their week to to sit there. And I understand
0: right. that. Uh, well, but you know, my experience with the classes that I teach is that the if you ha- offer it as a recorded class, there's almost no demand for that. And that's been my experience, and it may be the topics that I'm doing, but uh, I think people like. Having the instructor there available to ask questions, they can probe on something that uh, maybe they're having a specific issue with, or uh, you know, if it if it's not clear to them what's going on, they can you know dig in a little deeper.
1: Yeah, and the other thing that happens, as you well know, is is the good intentions, and uh, yeah, they, they've got it, they paid for it, and, and yeah, I'll, I'll get get to that tomorrow or over <laughs> the weekend or tonight or whatever. Right. And, and I don't want to just take people's money and, and not give them what they paid for.
0: Right. So with these classes, um, do you g- give hands-on examples? Like here's a machine that we know to be infected or do you just have like screenshots or?
1: Generally I have screenshots. I do have uh, one of the, the recordings that's available uh, is of me uh, cleaning up a badly infected machine. Uh, but anytime that you you, try to take a, a new malware sample and put it on and show the process. There's so many variables and unknowns and, and uh, it's, it's better to have something pre-recorded and be able to go back and edit it and cut out the, the downtime and that sort of thing. Right. Uh,
0: but so how do you keep up on new stuff that's coming out? Do you just stumble upon it and, and figure it out or do you, do you subscribe to something that tells you like, here's the latest you know, stuff the bad guys are putting out?
1: Well, and that is one of the most frequently asked questions. How can I possibly keep up? And and uh, of course the answer is I don't sleep, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on multiple subscriptions, newsletters, e-zines, podcasts, webinars, uh, conferences. And, and so I, I stay up with the people that uh, that are kind of on the leading edge of detection. I don't make any claims to be a malware researcher myself. That's beyond uh, my bandwidth and, and my interest level, frankly, uh, but I am on good regular speaking terms with a lot of the anti-malware vendors. They know who I am, they, they kind of keep me advised. And one of the things that works out very well is the people that attend my workshop have direct access to me. And so if they have a problem that, that doesn't respond to my methodology or they can't figure how it fits in, uh, they can call me, I can answer their questions, I can remote in. And right now I have something over 400 graduates worldwide so that's 400 extra sets of eyes and ears and hands that I have out there making me aware of what they're seeing. and right. oh, that's a good point. And as I say, I'm in the trenches myself. so I'm still seeing the same stuff and I get called in, whether it's a ransomware issue or uh, something that just uh, is, is beyond the, the typical uh, pop-up and uh, the tech, report, tech support scammer, that sort of thing.
0: Right. Okay. But well,
1: you know, It's continuously changing.
0: Yeah, I was going to say at some point you can't keep up simply because this stuff it, it modifies itself sometimes and then finds new ways to spread itself. And, you know, it, it's very scary. Uh, I think when we look at the future of artificial intelligence, I think viruses are gonna be like 10 times worse than they are now.
1: Well, and the thing that a lot of people don't realize is how much of this, I mean, in the old days, we talked about the script kitties that just uh, uh, got some piece of code and modified it a little bit. We've gone way beyond that now. Uh, the malware creators are making most of their money by selling the exploit kits. Uh, they they right. package it, it's uh, malware as a service or ransomware as a service, and and so most of the actual infections you're seeing were not done by genius programmers. They're done by people that, that paid a few bucks and got a starter kit, and uh, they're
0: uh, paying the, the the author a percentage. It's almost a franchise model. That's amazing. And the weird thing is that it's. Like you have to trace money, right? And so you would think that it would be easy to trace the money and find these people, uh, but they're all overseas and it's super, super sophisticated.
1: Well, and of course that's uh, where Bitcoin uh, really made its mark is it being not completely anonymous but uh, certainly non-refundable and, and and mostly non-traceable. And so the, the uh, cryptocurrencies are a big part of the, the whole malware market these days. Right. And you still got the traditional, the, the, the rogues, the pups, the, the fake antivirus and the, the fake hardware diagnostic that are just asking for your credit card and, and the, the tech support scammers and stuff like that. So uh, the, the Bitcoin and the, the big dollars are mostly uh, with, with ransomware, but then you've got the CEO fraud and, and uh, there's just so many ways that the bad guys can make money these
0: days and teach other people how. Right. So, what are you seeing as the most common thing that people in small businesses are having to deal with?
1: Ransomware is a big part of it, uh, and and the fake tech support scams. There's still uh, a lot of people that, that you know, the screen pops up. It's warning, warning, warning. It is Microsoft, and you call this number, and and it's amazing how many people fall for it. Uh, sure. That's a whole industry among all to itself.
0: Right. So now that's more about social engineering, right? But. Yeah. Yep. Basically, you got to train people. Uh, do you do anything along those lines? I do, and in fact, uh, one of my my latest offerings
1: is actually a, a one hour pre recorded course called "Cleaning Up After a Tech Support Scammer." And uh, because typically uh, the good guys get a call as well. I've already paid this guy to. I've got a, a, a lifetime uh, service contract now. Are you going to charge me too? And, <laughs> Uh, but uh, so so that's out there and uh, there's just it seems like no limit on the number of variations on, on ways that this can be twisted. And, and as you say, it's a lot of social engineering and, and tricking people into doing things that if they really thought about it, uh, they, they'd know better.
0: Right. So I don't know if you saw yesterday, I posted a thing on Facebook that was a screen capture of uh, an email that was in my spam folder. And the the subject line was actually reversed it was like you, you hold it up to a mirror right like your account has been suspended and I'm like who clicks on that like who would open that it's just it's beyond my comprehension because you have to like stare at it to figure out what it actually says so and i don't like i don't get the point of it right well and of course so much of this is still just a, a
1: spray and pray type campaign that they send out thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands of them. And if one or two or 3% click on them, then uh, they've made their money.
0: Yeah, that's true too.
1: Um, It was actually one that went out a few years ago. It was uh, uh, put out by uh, one of the the, the anti-malware companies that basically said, don't click on this link. (laughs) And about 20% of people clicked on it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so there's no hope for us, right? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, a certain segment of the population, no, there's not. Man, that's amazing. So so do you give technicians words to use with their clients that basically says, yes, you have to pay me, yes, you're, I mean, you don't want to call them an idiot, but, you know, yes, you know, you clicked on stuff you're not supposed to. I,
1: I, I prepare them for the idea that uh, some clients may be reluctant to pay since they've already paid somebody else.
0: Yeah. Well, hey, not my problem, you know. <laughs> right.
1: And, and the reality is that in the case of the tech support scammers, usually they are doing it the old-fashioned way in terms of taking credit cards or debit cards, and, and that will be reversible. Right. Uh, oh. Credit card more easily than, than, than debit cards. Oh, yeah. But, but you know, if, if you've paid 300 or $600 or something like that, or call your credit card company, they'll recognize
0: you will not be the first one to have called and, and, and asked for. And so a, how do those people avoid jail? right? I mean, if you're collecting money through a credit card, at the other end is is a bank and a number and, you know, a tax number. and There again,
1: they're mostly offshore. And so our laws don't apply to them. And uh, uh, and a small
0: enough percentage of people get the refunds. They're, they're still making a good living at it. Right. So when you look at the, uh, let's say you clean something up and there's all of this, you know, leftover code and so forth. Uh, where is that Code Is it sitting in a, like a file and folder or is it inside the registry or All Juma, where, where is it?
1: Yeah, there, there's uh, some in the registry and some folders and files scattered around. Now, you hear the term fileless malware, which is a relatively recent phenomenon, and it's a little bit of a misnomer, too, because obviously at some point there is a file. But right. the concept is, when that malware infects a system, it, it generally gets buried into the registry, and then the file that did it gets deleted. So that's one of the reasons that, that scanning uh, with the traditional anti-malware products is not gonna find some of the more sophisticated types of malware. Uh, and for that matter, you need to know exactly where in the registry to look for it, what it looks like, and, and what to do with it.
0: Right, um, so it's interesting, because you know when you go to the shows, there's all of these people selling all of these great products to, you know, that, they, and then they make a big deal. Like, oh, we we, you know, have heuristics for all of this kind of stuff. And artificial intelligence. Yes. But at the end of the day, stuff keeps getting through. Is it because we're not protecting our machines well enough in the first place? That's part of it. And then part of it is that there's no 100% protection.
1: Uh, obviously you and I know, and most good techs know that uh, just running antivirus program is not gonna be all the protection you need. Uh, An internet security suite with the other stuff that comes from a software side helps, but it really requires multiple layers, hardware, software, procedures, policies, awareness, and then there's there's no one
0: uh, easy button that solves it all. Right, so when we move to 5G and uh, we take the firewall and we move it up to the cloud, because now we have enough speed to do that, Uh, do you think that's going to make things better or worse in terms of letting stuff get in i don't think it'll make any significant difference
1: i I certainly don't think it'll make it any better i don't think it could make it any worse
0: so all right it just moves right (laughs) You, you still got the same pieces there in different places on the board right um and do you see malware that actually infects cloud storage or is it all still local it's
1: mostly still local uh but ransomware certainly can uh, encrypt cloud-based files uh, depending on how they're accessed. Generally, if you're uh, using a cloud-based backup, which I certainly recommend, those are usually insulated enough that they will not get encrypted by ransomware. But if you're just using uh, a a cloud uh, uh, drive, then that's directly accessible and so it's accessible to the ransomware also.
0: Right. Well, I did uh, some research uh, last year. Both Rackspace and Jungle Disk say, theoretically, you can encrypt anything on our drives, right? That you have the right to do that, and so the computer has the right to do that, and so if you get infected, it could happen. They, they said, both of them said, they haven't seen it, but they, they expect that they will, you know? It's just like, it's one of those things, it's a matter of time
1: yeah yeah and of course ransomware sets out trying to encrypt anything it can that's attached, certainly including an external hard drive that may be the only backups somebody has uh, and there again, if you have a onedrive or something that's cloud-based but but directly accessible, that's just as vulnerable
0: so and so do you have processes for cleaning all that up as well?
1: yeah the uh, and here again, I have a separate anti-ransomware. Or, or ransomware cleanup video. That's uh, uh, it's called uh, striking or strike back against encrypting ransomware. <laughs> and and part of the issue there is that you really have two related but separate problems. Uh, one is the malware itself that did the encryption, and the other is getting the data files back. And getting rid of the the infection is really easy. Uh, pretty much any anti-malware product will get rid of the infection that, that right. did the encryption. But getting the data files back could be a completely different issue. So, right. uh, and, and what I talk about in that recorded workshop or, or webinar is uh, how to figure out what your options are when you're dealing with encryption. Because really, if, if you get get hit or if one of your clients get, get hit by encrypting ransomware, uh, there are three possible outcomes. One is you might be able to decrypt the files for free. There are some free decryptors out there, and so you need to figure out whether there is one or whether it's going to work and how to use it. Uh, that's not likely, but but I've had personally several cases where I've been able to do that. Uh, the second possibility is uh, distasteful as it may be, paying the ransom will usually result in being able to get the files decrypted. And I never recommend that, and, and, and nobody does. I mean, you don't want to support right. the criminal enterprise, but from a dollars and cents standpoint, in fact, one of the things you'll be hearing me talk about in the next uh, uh, webinar I do that you're, you're going to be participant on is uh, a city in Georgia recently, they got hit by ransomware and uh, it's reported they paid $400,000 in ransom, man, which sounds pretty extreme. But if that's the actual number and, and we don't know that for sure, they haven't admitted it, but that that's uh, the speculation. Uh, part of the reason for that might be the, the experience of Atlanta. And of course, Atlanta got hit almost a year ago. Now, right. and the ransomware demand was $50,000. We're not going to pay that. And so far they've they've spent that they'll admit to over 17 million dollars so again from a pure dollars and cents standpoint which is a better use of taxpayer dollars
0: right well and so so what's the time saving because if you say that it's that your technique is better than nuking and paving uh does it save time as well Oh, sure a lot Uh, And what my workshop consists of is a methodology
1: and a set of tools, some of which are proprietary that were developed only for for graduates of this workshop. But bottom line, following the methodology, uh, my guarantee is you will have a system clean, malware-free in less than two hours. And the actual number is is usually less than an hour. 40 to 50 minutes is pretty typical. Less than that if you're talking about
0: an SSD uh, system. So, do you have a checklist that's basically do this first, this second, this third? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's I suspected, like, but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. In the workshop itself, there, there's a workbook that comes with it. So it's right now 136 pages, so there's a lot of content. And when I get into the methodology, I start off with a one-page flowchart that lays out everything you're going to do and dealing with these. Basically, break it down into the four categories of malware: gripping ransomware, uh, rogues, and puffs that are very visible and obvious. Uh, then the traditional malware—the viruses, worms, trojans—that in a lot of cases are staying hidden, and just even knowing that you're infected uh, is 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 the challenge. Uh, followed by rootkits, and so you deal with each one of those in that sequence, and then when you're done, uh, it's clean. And so I right. got the the, uh, the flowchart, then about 40 pages worth of, of stuff that we talk about in the workshop, followed by a one-page appendix. It's more of a text form of, of what the flowchart said.
0: Right. So can all of this be done remotely, assuming you can get into the machine? Mostly. Uh, there are very few cases that, that needs to be on-site,
1: hands-on. Obviously, if you can't boot or if you've got a blue screen issue or something uh, more extreme, uh, then, then it won't. But, but I still do a lot of malware cleanup, uh, almost all remotely.
0: Right. If it happens, Would you rec-
1: a in Houston that, that wants to bring the computer in or that I have a working relationship with, uh, then then sure, I can do it hands-on.
0: Uh, or on site, but but generally it can all be done remotely. Would you guess that most clients have malware they don't know of that's just sitting dormant? And uh, yes, would they benefit from basically once a year cleanup? Absolutely. So, because that seems like that would be a service that you could sell to clients as a way to like, hey, let me clean up your machines, and you could almost say. You know, you got 10 machines. If you have, if I find nothing, I won't charge you anything, (laughs) knowing that you're going to find something. Right. And I'll go a step further than that,
1: because uh, some of my graduates have actually uh, set up a fixed price virus repair service. And same thing. We don't fix it. You don't pay. And and they're making a good living at that.
0: Well, especially if... you know, it saves you time over completely reinstalling the operating system and all the software and all, you know, all of that. So that that can make a huge difference. Is there a point where you still have to nuke and pave? I, the reason I hesitate
1: is because I, I'm trying to think of how to word this tactfully. <laughs> <laughs> I have not done a nuke and pave since I started teaching these workshops, which is 10 years. Right. Uh, so, have, so it's, so I will ideas. say it.
0: So it, I, you don't have to say it. If you are competent at what you're doing, there's no reason to nuke and pave. That's, uh, I, I won't say that 100%, but generally speaking, that's my philosophy. So, all right. So, but, but for everybody, when you, when I reach, well, I'll just say, I'll just say me, when I reach the limits of my uh, ability, then I nuke and pave. <laughs> Well, and of course, the other part of this is that realistically, uh, especially if you're on
1: a time and materials or a break fix basis, you can't really charge a client more than a couple of hours of your time for a malware cleanup. And and so uh, I've had plenty of cases where people spent three weeks on this and still haven't got it fixed, and, and that, that's crazy. You're 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 losing money. And in fact, one of my taglines is: "Are are you tired of losing money and clients
0: uh, on
1: virus repairs?" <laughs>
0: Exactly. So you mentioned your podcast. So you have a podcast that's only for graduates of your program? I do. People that, that take the workshop,
1: uh, th- there's obviously the workshop itself and the training that comes with it and the materials and, and the tools and that sort of thing. But there are a lot of other things that are included, one of which is a monthly webinar that is exclusively for graduates of the workshop.
0: And is and it free to them or is there a, like is. an ongoing?
1: It's included for, for 12 months. And uh, a lot of my graduates uh, come back. In fact, I I just did one last week and two of the the attendees were people that were taking it again, one for the third time. Wow. Uh, So, so, and, and and that's one of the great things about people that attend the workshop. They're the ones that recognize how much things have changed and and, and how much they can't learn it all and and keep up with it on their own. And so, in fact, I have one guy that's been through it five times now. Once a year I I can count. And and he comes to Houston for it. He's from out of town. And and so, (laughs) Uh, the, the thing I'm leading up to is the people that attend these workshops are, are raising their hands and saying, I want to be good. I want to take good care of my clients. I want to be profitable in my business. And so that's a great bunch of people to work with.
0: So tell us your website so we can put it down below.
1: Great. It's the virus thevirusdoc.com. T-H-E-V-I-R-U-S-D-O-C.com.
0: Thevirusdoc.com. Uh-huh. Very good. So, um, Do you think that most of the technicians who are out there um, should be spending more time educating themselves on the viruses versus just like, you know, if if it's a minor part of their business, maybe they don't really need to? Well,
1: I think that they should be educating themselves, period. Uh, And obviously, I I have a bias toward virus malware, cleanup, and removal. But one of the things that, that I really don't emphasize enough is that in this workshop, a lot of it is... Basic troubleshooting. When I say basic. Uh, it assumes a pretty good working knowledge. But uh, out of the eight hours of content that we do live, about three hours of that is on the registry. So it's setting the stage, and and obviously most techs have been in the registry. They know what it looks like and, and how to do basic stuff. But there are a lot of things they've never had occasion to need to know about. Right. And so we talk about things like that. And and one of the things I love. In fact, one of the the, the uh, lady that was in the class the other night. Uh, was able to apply some of the the stuff that we talked about in the registry to a completely different situation, and that that's part of it. We talk about a particular scenario and how you do something, and then say when this comes up, uh, think of of how else you can apply this same information. And she did a beautiful job of that. So excellent,
0: that. very good. So folks should get a hold of your if they're interested in this, and uh, they can go to your website. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to? Uh, put out there before we go? Well, I could talk for hours about it, but (laughs) I've
1: done a good job of summarizing and wrapping up uh, kind of what it's all about and and, uh, my position on it,
0: and I appreciate the opportunity. All right, well, thank you, Ken. Thanks for being with us. And uh, with luck, we'll have you back again. Great, thanks, Carl, and I'll see you soon.